0: Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, twenty four. See participating retailer for details.
1: The volume.
2: You know this, sir. You fall for these jokes, you don't. Super Bowl championship—that should always be the expectation. I ain't mad at you, go ahead. All right, welcome back to the New Look Richard Sherman podcast with my guy, Mitch Eisenstein. Mitchell, Nicholas, John, Bosa, five years, 170 million, 122 guaranteed. I text him. He's so excited, ready to go. Going to make an impact this Sunday.
3: Mitchell, what you think? I think Nicholas John Bosa gave you a nice uh, couple grand in the Venmo account, Richard. And you just <laughs> outfitted your back office. My goodness, talk about an upgrade from the John Clayton closet to what now looks like the Taj Mahal for those of you watching. But Richard, you called it. You've said this for months now, years now, that Nicholas John Bosa is going to set the market, that he deserves to be paid as such. I want to hear your reactions to this breaking news on a five-year hundred and seventy million dollar deal with the san francisco 49ers
2: mitchell i am excited and i'm sure the state of california is excited too because they're going to get their 13 percent up out of him but mitchell nobody deserves it more He's getting quarterback money. Well, you know, uh, off quarterback money, but, you know, old quarterback money, but quarterback money. I mean, he's one of the best players in the National Football League. I would I would guess he'd be top three right now, period, you know, regardless of position, and he's earned the money. And I'm sure ex- everybody in San Francisco is in the building, outside the building, on the street corner, is excited that he's going to be playing this Sunday. You know who's not excited? The Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line. Because – They said they were preparing for him. Mike Tomlin said all the right things because he's a great coach and he's a great strategist. But I guarantee you they would have preferred Nicholas John Bosa not be present for this game, even if he's spot duty because he's definitely going to be on a pitch count. You can't can't expect him not to be on a pitch count coming off of, you know, the streets, you know, no contact really. And they're not going to give him a lot of contact this week. So his first contact will be on game day, which is, you know, a little terrifying. I'm sure he'll try to find a way to get physical. You know, maybe he's been you know, going live with somebody, you know, where he's training. But uh, either way, I'm sure they're ecce- ecstatic to have him in the building.
3: Well, Rich, it it's seemed to be a thing this offseason with big, big-name defensive players. I mean, we saw the running back market take a turn this offseason. Oh. Uh, we've seen the tight end market take a turn this offseason. we got some big-name players still holding out. You see Chris Jones, you know, obviously the feud going on in, in Indianapolis. Uh, with the running I back hate that.
2: I hate that situation Mitchell I hate the Jonathan Taylor situation because it's so it's so underhanded you know this guy has been giving their, his all to that franchise he hasn't done anything that I know of you know to this franchise or to this owner he, but give his best you know give them quality football he wants to be paid more money he actually deserves to be paid more money and you know what they do they put him on the the injured reserve or, or you know what I mean the, the they they make him miss the first four games when he's not injured and he's clearly telling people he's not injured and then you're sitting there trying to take his money you're trying to to find him and trying to make sure that he's not able to get all his money i mean it's just there's something to be said for like hey a guy holding out a guy doing this you gotta you know you gotta punish him you know like chris jones chris jones is getting fined but i'm sure once they come to an agreement they'll give him all the fine money in his contract so it all splits and is a zero net which is fair you know he's a franchise player for him and i i mean if he doesn't they don't have him against your Detroit Lions, Mitchell, that's a whole different game. It's a whole different game if he's not present tomorrow night. And if they if they, they know what's good for him, right now, Detroit feels like they have a shot. Without Chris Jones, the Kansas City Chiefs' defensive line is ranked 28th in pass rush rank in the last five years, Mitchell. When he's not on the field, they are not getting home. And so if he, they don't get home against your Detroit Lions and Jared Goff, for all the mess he gets, all the crap he gets. If he has time to stand back there and dissect, he can get the job done.
3: Well, Richard, let's look at the business aspect of of these guys choosing to hold out. I mean, obviously it worked out for your boy, Nicholas, John Bosa, now becoming the highest paid defensive player in NFL history. Uh, Chris Jones is going to try to beat that market. Now. I don't think he's going to be able to, but you know, maybe on an average value, who knows, but Richard, how much does it mess with an athlete's psyche when you're holding out and, and there might not be a, f- a foreseeable finish line in the future? I mean, who's to say, you know, Chris Jones signs tomorrow morning. I mean, he's not going to be ready for Thursday. Night. W- when realistically can you expect a guy, well, a, a premier athlete to be ready after such a long holdout?
2: Well, Chris Jones just did an interview yesterday and, and, and spoke on that exact topic. He said, hey, if, if, I, if we get this thing done tonight, I'll be ready for for Thursday night. It is not looking likely, as Andy Reid said, they're making no progress. So unless, you know, barring some miracle, he won't be out there. But uh, it's just unfortunate, you know, because he's, you know, everybody says, play to your contract. And, you know, you're under contract and, and you signed it. And it's like, yeah, but guys signed contract that teams cut him from all the time. And I do not hear the same fans up in arms like, why would you cut that guy? He, you signed him for this amount. You promised him. You signed that contract. Honor it, team. But you want the players to honor him. And so I don't have any problem at all with a player sitting out, knowing his value, wanting his value. But what, what's frustrating is when, when teams do what they're doing to Jonathan Taylor, a good kid who came to work, who came to work out and just asked, hey, can I get a raise? Or can I get a trade? And then they kind of bungled his trade. It was like, "Hey, we'll let you, we'll let you look for a trade for the next week. And if you don't get it in a week, then." But that's after everybody has, you know, figured out their their salary cap for the year. They figured out their trade assets, their draft picks that they're willing to give up. And nobody's giving up a first rounder right now. If they were, if they did this before the draft, who knows? There could have been action there. You know, Miami's been looking. Uh, you know, uh, they they seem to be in on every running back that's been available. And so it's just a weird situation, and it's terrible when a team does a player uh, like like the Colts are doing Jonathan Taylor, and and then you're doing it when he has a rookie quarterback. There's a rookie quarterback. You know what would help a rookie quarterback in this situa- situation? Anthony Richardson would be helped if Jonathan Taylor was in the backfield. It wouldn't all the weight wouldn't be on his shoulders. Now he's going to have a worse season because he doesn't have a premier running back on the field with him, and he could, you know, they
3: have a premier running back. So it's just like doing everybody a disservice just to be stubborn. Well, this running back position is certainly an anomaly, like in sports, Richard. I mean, the running back position is such a valuable position, but financially speaking, it is the least valuable position.
1: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. <clears throat> AT&T connects an O to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze.
3: I see, I said, said OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? You think I need it? Ain't
0: it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. What what does
3: the what does the running back, I guess committee, a uh, group of the running back union if you will, have to do to remedy this going forward? I mean, Richard, you're, you're an executive committee member on the NFLPA. You've got some say in this. What does what this solve to avoid these Jonathan Taylor situations, to There's avoid no- these Josh Jacobs situations, Rich, Austin Eckler? I mean, the list goes on. And I say Quan Barkley, Tony Pollard. These are elite, grade-A, tier-one running backs that are underpaid. And the solution seems to be just franchise tag them for a year. That's their bonus. And then they can walk. What's the well, solution long Mitchell, term? there's
2: no solution I, I have, you know, because he, you're talking about there are backs getting paid. Christian McCaffrey's getting paid. And uh, in New Orleans, he's getting paid. You know, he, he's getting good money. I think they're four, 16. Kamara's getting 15. Uh You know there are backs that are really versatile, and they're making a lot of money. They're making really good money. They but they do everything. They play running back. Your boy Jamar Gibbs. When he comes up, he's probably gonna if he plays like everybody's saying he's playing out there in Detroit, he's gonna get top running back money because they do everything. But what I don't understand is how the tight end market is getting seventeen million dollars, and the running backs are having a hard time getting twelve. Like tight ends used to be a non-value position. You know they're not producing well enough to be a receiver. Now, if you're saying Travis Kelsey, a Hall of Famer, you know, a guy who who literally is the go-to guy on this team, the number one, regardless if, if they have a receiver or not, when the game is on the line, that's who you're going to. Give him his 17, 18 million, and he's only making 14. But everybody's not that guy. You talk about George Kittle when he's at his best. He gets the ball. He's turning a little bit into a lot on a lot of plays. You know, he's he's changing the game. He's bringing a different kind of intensity then okay, give him his money. But TJ Hawkinson, I don't remember making that kind of impact. I don't, you know, I, I mean, Travis Kelsey caught 110 balls and I, I got to go back and look at uh, TJ Hawkinson's stats and not to hate on him, you know, everybody deserves to get their money, but I'm just trying to one, understand when the tight end position became more valuable than a running back position. I mean, I guess they're on the field every play, but running backs could be on the field every play. If they're three down back, I'm guessing they they're probably going to get their money, but I just don't understand when that flipped. You know when the running back became such a such an unvalued position, such such a hey anybody can do it. We can get get a guy off the street. We can get an undrafted guy, guy in the fifth round, guy in the third round. And I think it's because Kyle Shanahan the year we went to the Super Bowl and Raheem, um, who was unheralded, ran for like two fifty on Green Bay in the NFC Championship game. And then there's like, well, he's not a premier back, and he just went off. And so that was the scheme. It's not the back. It's like. Anybody can fall into that, fall, fall victim to that.
3: I just don't get it. Well, Richard, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I, I think you've skipped a generation. I don't think it was Kyle Shanahan that changed it. I think it was Mike Shanahan that started to change it. I mean, you saw Terrell Davis. Uh, what was he, seventh rounder, undrafted out of Georgia, turns into a Hall of Fame running back. And nothing, not to discredit him and his talent by any means, but that Denver Bronco blocking scheme and system was one that Alanis Gary, if you remember that name, was a 1,000-yard rusher in. Right. So, I mean, Kyle Shanahan's kind of taken that and, and put his own fine-tuning twist on it, and you're right. I mean, any per, Elijah Mitchell, anyone that gets in that system Seems to have a lot of instant success out of nowhere. So, but
2: then of course, Kyle Shanahan then goes and gets the highest-paid running back, sure. Christian McCaffrey, and he, of course, he works the best in this scheme. Oh, uh, that—that's crazy because you paid for quality, and you, Christian McCaffrey is likely going to have a thousand yards receiving and a thousand yards rushing, and that's what you're paying him for. You're paying him because he can do everything. But let's talk. Let's change the subject because it's going to piss me off talking about <laughs> these owners and what they're doing to these guys because. Jim Urshay should be ashamed of himself for what he's doing to Jonathan Taylor. Like that's a good kid. He's not doing. Dude, he's not committing crimes. He's not getting arrested. He doesn't. He's not causing a stir outside of the football field. He's playing well.
3: Like that's enough. But your Detroit Lions, Mitchell. Woo. Where, I, Richard? Th- this team. You didn't want to talk about him last year. I had to bring him up every time we got on this. And, and now you're willingly bringing them up. So that tells me. That they've arrived, Rich. We got a (laughs) game tomorrow night in Arrowhead. I am fired up. I'll probably be six, seven, eight drinks deep by the time of kickoff. But it's going to be, you know, Once, promise me this, Rich. Promise me this. When the Lions upset the Chiefs tomorrow night, we're going to jump on an emergency podcast for an instant Mm -hmm. reaction show because I think it's absolutely necessary. This team, Rich, I'm speaking from a Detroiters mindset. They're ready. They're well coached. They're well managed. These boys are going to come up fired up and ready to win. And you hate to see another player get injured, but this this news about Travis Kelsey being questionable it just kind of opens a little door for him. Everything seems to be falling in the right direction. So I'm going to stick with my hot take, Rich, and I'm going to even put you know a number out there. I think they're going to beat them, and I think it's going to be in the neighborhood of. 30 to 26, 27, somewhere in that, an obscure number.
2: 30 to you 26, leave it that close.
3: Rich, 30 to 26. You leave it that close, Mitchell. I, I don't think you're going to be feeling
2: comfortable with Patrick Mahomes in the ball and you're up four. I think you're going to feel very uncomfortable if he has the ball left and you're up four. But that's a story for a different day. This receiving core for the Kansas City Chiefs, if they do not have Travis Kelsey, are very containable, Mitchell. They are very containable. I mean, you talk about uh Valdez Scantling, you talk about Kadarius Tooney and, and whether he's healthy or not. Uh Sky Moore, who we had on the podcast a couple years ago before he got drafted. Uh what what are they going to do? They don't they're not as former Justin Ross, who everybody's been very high on but hasn't played in two and a half years, of live it counts on the books football. He was very elite when he was coming out before he got injured, but it's it's to be seen what he's going to do in an actual NFL game that's not a preseason and it's not practice. So it's exciting that defense is going to have to show up for you guys. I mean, it's going to have to take big strides. And Jared Goff said, hey, if it's a shootout, he's ready for it. And they got the weapons to shoot it out.
3: Mitchell, Jamar Gibbs, they, they keep talking about him. Mitchell, what have you heard about? About the running back position. I mean, before we get there, I think Jerry Goff's still dusting off the cobwebs for your hit on the goal line about, what, (laughs) seven, eight years ago. Because that was – I will tell you this, Rich. That – I was in in attendance that night, and you could feel that hit. You felt bad for the guy. That was his rookie year. But I'll say this. Goff has surprised me. I love what he's done with this team. He's he's taken over. He's got a sense of ownership of the team. Players seem to look up to him. He's a good leader. He's good in the community. Um, I was a little – uh, kind of caught off guard with what the Lions did in the draft. I think everyone was. But it, at the end of it, it kind of all made sense. I mean, we already touched on it. Jameer Gibbs, that, that Swiss Army knife, that, that Christian McCaffrey um, that they're going to add to their r- roster. You know, they got Sam Laporta, a good young tight end. You know, David mm-hmm. Montgomery, a back that actually got paid this offseason, Rich, to the tune yeah. of $6 million plus a year. So... Mm-hmm. We shall see. I I, I CJ Gardner Johnson. I mean Jay Gardner led the league in interceptions. Uh, court, you know, that they, they've got Cam Sutton. They got some new and your boy, Eman Mosley. Um, mm-hmm. don't sleep I, on I, Eman. I, I, I'm excited, Rich, because this it, it seems like the chapter has turned from the same old lines. And this is this is a brand new story. This is a brand new brand of football here in Detroit, Rich. And I think we're about to see it tomorrow night. I, I want to know, I, I gotta ask. I'm, and I'll hold you to it here. Do you see the Lions winning? Like, give me, give me your best prediction of how this game unfolds and what the outcome will be. It, it's, it's so many unknowns. I can't give it to you unless
2: I know if Kelsey's playing. Because if Kelsey's playing, it's a different game, Mitchell. It's, it's a to- entirely different game. If Travis Kelsey's out there, he's going to be difficult to contain. I'm trying to think who, who Detroit would have to put on him. I mean, it doesn't matter who you put on him. He's going to be a hard matchup, but. Who you put on him to to even give you give yourself a chance to 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 make an impact? It's interesting to see what Donovan Smith is going to do. He's coming off one of his worst seasons in Tampa. He gave up six sacks last year, but he played better down the stretch. Uh, but it's a it's a different left tackle. It's not Orlando Brown. They lost Orlando Brown, so there is some movement on that defensive line. I mean, that offensive line, and it gives opportunities for Detroit's defensive line to. To see, to test it, you know. Usually, early in the season, offensive linemen are at their most vulnerable. Later in the season, they're chiseled. They're they're ready. Their their continuity is great. They're right where they need to be. If you're going to get somebody, it's usually early in the season. <sighs> if Travis Kelsey plays Mitchell, I think I, I, I think Mahomes finds a way, Mitchell. If Travis Kelsey does not play, I think Detroit wins it in a shootout, thirty-eight to to thirty. They go for two sometimes. Dan Campbell gambles a little bit. And, and yeah,
3: that's what I feel. Well, C.J. Gardner-Johnson just referred to the Detroit Lions secretary as the, uh, the new Legion of Boom. Uh, we will see that tomorrow night, Rich. That is that is a high standard to live up to. Hey, before we go, I, this is a question I got to ask. This whole podcast was dedicated to Nicholas John Bosa, and, <laughs> and we kind of we veered, Rich. I know you always looked up to Nicholas John So when, when he, he was a rookie. You thought he was an absolute stud coming out. And I didn't necessarily look up to him, but I, I'm with I, you. I'm a fan. <laughs> I mean, I think you were forced to physically look up to him. He's a big guy. <laughs> but, Richard, you've played with a number of greats. You've played with you know future Hall of Famers. You've played with guys that were trendsetters at that, their positions, the, the Cam Chancellors of the world, Earl Thomas, Cliff Aver, Bobby Wagner, Michael Bennett, just to name a few, K.J. Wright. Where would you rank in the hierarchy? And I know you only played with Nicholas Bosa for a couple of years, but where would you rank him in that top-tier talent you've had the luxury of taking the field with? Well, I think he's
2: he's he's probably one of the best teammates that I've had just overall as a human being. Um, I, I try not to rank him in that way. Um, you know, I played with him his rookie year. We went to a Super Bowl. If we had won that Super Bowl, I'm sure everything would be a lot different. You know, the, maybe COVID wouldn't have existed and, and everything would be perfect in the world. For you sure. know, that's what happened. Let's see what you did, Patrick Mahomes. You <laughs> messed everything up, uh, but, but I did get to play with him as a rookie. I, you know, I, I forged a really, really strong friendship with him. A good friend of mine, just like I did a lot of my other teammates. I think he's going to end up being a first ballot hall of famer. Um, he has a resume. He'll keep building it. Defensive player of the year. I think he'll be the front runner for it again this year. Uh, it might take him a couple of weeks to get in, involved and, and get, get up to speed uh, to get his sacks. But if he gets too early, Mitchell, if he gets to, to Kenny Pickett, In this next game, Mitchell, the sky is the limit. Nicholas John Bosa, congratulations to the Bosa
3: family. All love and respect. Get your money, man. Richard, this has been a very spontaneous, uh, what is it? Is it Wednesday? It's Wednesday night. Uh, Podcasts here. we got to do this more often, man. I will let you sign us off, and I look forward to the emergency podcast tomorrow night after the Lions win.
2: Yeah, Mitchell. Mitchell, I look forward to it. Uh, Everybody, thank you for joining us again. You know, we're going to be at this weekly. We may do a double take. If the Lions figure out a way to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, we will be back. Stay tuned. We'll be back.